Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are Chained Heat and Red Heat. That's Chains and Red, both hot, but probably not in the way you're thinking. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. I, I think you're insinuating that you might not have liked one of the movies that we watched this week. Oh, it's not even where I was going with that. That's true, but it's not where I was going with that. <laughs> How how dare you? Uh, well, let's just get into it, Doug. Why don't you tell us about Chain Heat? Oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> um, Chain Heat is a movie in air quotes uh, about Linda Blair getting sent to prison for a car accident. She doesn't makes sense to me. It's never actually explained what she's convicted of. <laughs> um, it is what it seemed like. She said she hit somebody. She's like, I got into a car accident and I got 18 months. Well, if, it's, if she was drunk driving or something and she killed somebody, she'd get a lot more than 18 months. If it's just an accident, why is she going to jail at all? So, there's your first problem with the movie. <laughs> In the first sentence of my plot description. <laughs> okay, so the movie already doesn't make any sense. Uh, I mean, she could have. She could have got reckless endangerment. You can get like two. I don't know. Anyway, either way, I was, I was just it, pointing out that it is. It is feasibly possible. It's feasible, yeah. And and you know what? Had they taken the time to say I was convicted of reckless endangerment, then I would go with that. But the movie didn't care enough about what was going on for any of that. That's a completely unnecessary plot point. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, she gets in the prison, and uh, let's see. There's um, one group of guards that brings women into another cell to rape them. There's a warden who is selling drugs in the prison and making porn films with the uh, women who he uses as snitches to catch the other drug dealers. There's gang uh, no, 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 no. The assistant warden is smuggling drugs in. The warden is attempting to ferret out who is smuggling the drugs? <laughs> I believe if you listen closely at one point in time, the, the warden, while trying to figure out who is sniffing out the drugs, is like, they're cutting in on my territory, implying well, yeah. that both the warden and the assistant warden are sneaking in drugs. Point conceded. <laughs> so then there's... <laughs> then there's like a head black girl and a head white girl, and they fight for reasons... Um, there's also some weird thing where they sneak some of the girls out and send them off to parties where they're expected to have sex with the men at the parties, but it's not really explained why. 
I was assuming uh, they were sent out to be hookers. Yeah, yeah, they're just running them like pimps. So the implication is that that guy was getting paid? Okay. Yes. All right. Um, they don't say that in the movie, but that's no. nice you guys to add that in. And then, uh, I don't know, there's a riot. It seems largely unconnected from the rest of the film. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> the girl that was abusing her and that she had every reason to hate was uh, unduly set up for something, and so they saved her by rioting. Yeah. And in the rioting, all the girls that didn't get along had to learn to get along. So it's kind of a very special episode of Women in Prison Films <laughs> from that perspective. <laughs> I mean... This movie is not a plot movie. This is a collection of shit going on in a prison. It's The idea is, like, what could be wrong in a prison? It's all happening in this one. And they're like, wait, since we don't have a plot, there's no way to end this story, so let's just have all the girls riot. Well, they also throw the the Nazi-looking chick off the uh, the roof of the... That's the, true. Yeah. It's a nice punctuation. Like Like, the closest thing to motivation that our main character has is that she's trying to get a tape back from the warden's office so that they can release it and everyone will know that he's having sex with the prisoners and filming it. But by the time they have the riot, he's been killed by somebody else completely unrelated to any other storyline that I could follow. And it is... So I don't know what good comes from exposing his crimes at that point if he's already dead. Well, because they're exposing the other people's crimes by exposing his crimes. So if you expose that the warden is having sex with prisoners, then the police will go, wait, if the warden's having sex with prisoners and filming it, then the assistant warden must be shipping drugs in. No, they were getting the tape of the assistant warden and the, uh, what's, uh, I can't remember what her name is, the redhead guard murdering the warden. I don't believe they knew that was on the tape. Did they? Yeah. Oh, I thought they were remember, just... remember cause the friend the friend was in there when it happened and then the redheaded guard was supposed to like take her and hide her somewhere and instead took her downstairs and beat her to death with a stick. And that's why they were all out for revenge because she murdered the one girl for no reason. I right. paid way more attention than we did that. Yeah. Yeah. This is a master class in poor filmmaking, is what this is. Um, the tone in every scene is different from the tone in the scene previous. Like, we're not even getting into the technical problems of the film yet. We will be getting there. But, they're, like, it's literally, like, there are scenes where they're all in the shower, and they're all, like, giggling, and it's all, like, hot girls between the ages of 20 and 25, all, like, dancing around in the shower, having fun. Yeah, yeah it is. And then you turn around, and you have these, like, horrific rape scenes where a girl's like getting beaten and raped and like the female guard is standing outside the cell while this is happening like smiling and like she's just so happy to see somebody else get raped and it's genuinely horrific but it has no business being in the same film as the scene where the sexuality is being played up the way it is in that in those shower scenes how do you how do you not do that in a women in prison film oh we'll get i think to, i think we'll that's to, part of the genre We'll get to one that doesn't do it in a little while. Um, because, <laughs> I mean, the next movie, despite being plot similar, does not have any of these major problems. This have movie. random hot sexy scenes and then weird brutal rape scenes two scenes later? It most certainly does. Okay, we'll get to... A we'll get to it. But weird psychoanalysis of what you consider sexy, but anyways... <laughs> Yeah, so like that—that that was my, like my biggest problem from 
like a plot standpoint with this film. I'm going straight into my complaining about my opinion about this film rather <laughs> than giving you guys a chance. <laughs> but it was just like it was just it was just like okay, with this scene we're watching a serious movie about a girl being sent to prison and trying to adjust to life there. Next scene, we're in an exploitation film again. <laughs> and then just cut back and forth. And it's just like, and you know what I mean? It's like, what the hell is happening? And like, in the one scene, we're expected to be taking the movie seriously. In the next scene, we're in this warden's office. And the warden's office is like a fucking pimp palace for some reason with a giant bathtub in the middle of it. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know if any of this works together. My biggest confusion about the sentences that you just said is what part of this movie do you think makes it seem like it should be taken seriously? I'm saying that when you throw in violent rape scenes like that, you invite the the audience to be engaged on a serious level. I, I don't think that that's it's, true at all. Because It's not like this is like a humanoids from the deep rape scene. This is a brutal, vicious rape scene that occurs in this movie, and that that belongs in a serious movie. It doesn't belong in a fun exploitation movie. Oh, I I, th- I think it doesn't belong in a a fun movie at all. But right, but but at the same time, I mean, that's that's literally what the rape revenge genre is for ninety percent of it. There's like three movies where it's handled nice and seriously and stuff, but almost all of them are just gross exploitation, which is what this is. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, to just sit there and say this is a bad movie because it's it's a this is a good movie because I'm comparing it to these other movies, which you basically called bad movies in your description. <laughs> I just I yeah. okay, well, <laughs> Which it's it's not a good movie. It's it's a fun's fun's a bad word, but it's a it's an all right movie to watch if you're super into women in prison films, which are amongst the sleaziest of films. They really are. I mean, it's there aren't a lot of genres that are exploitative than them. Maybe Nazi exploitation. Maybe. Yeah. But most of them are women in prison films, technically. And it's just, it, it's it's entertaining in the way that it's gross and it's fun. Like I said, it, the, the fact that you're talking about uh, the, the warden being having his weird James Bond lair is fucking awesome. Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't care what anybody says. It didn't fucking matter. It's supposed to be the warden's office in the prison. Why does he have a jacuzzi tub in his office in the prison? There's no way that exists. There's just no... It, it can't, but it does. And everyone just accepts it, because they're like, it's the 80s. It's the 80s and he's in charge, so he probably has a weirdly, oddly decorated, overly plush office in cocaine. And it's John Vernon, and he's he's earned it. Yeah, and it's John Vernon, which I, I find that that's one of the best things in this movie is that you have so so we agree that overall like if you're looking for a movie of quality this is a shit movie <laughs> right but it's a shit movie that's got at least two actors in it that are really fucking good actors in this weird shit movie for some 
I like Linda Blair, and I and I like uh, Mr. Vernon because he does this cool evil '80s villain voice. I, I don't yeah. like Linda Blair, but her performance in this movie isn't very good. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think it's it's Oscar worthy or anything. But I do think she's about six steps ahead of most of the other people in the film. Sure, but if on a scale of one to ten, six step ahead of most people is still a negative number. So, <laughs> uh, most of the people in this movie, I do not believe you can even say that they're acting. It's simple line delivery. They're, they may as well, like in the scenes where you can see the boom mic, I think the reason you see it is because they <laughs> hold the camera high enough to not was, see the cue cards. I was actually getting ready to see. Do you know how hard it is to act when you're dodging the boom mic? <laughs> <laughs> And that's, I mean, that is the obviously the biggest technical problem with this film is the constant presence of a boom mic hanging over these people's heads. Unless something weird goes on in your American prisons that I don't know about where they have boom mics just dangling and that's actually a legitimate thing. I, I have trouble accepting that a, a movie that is, you know, like a movie that can afford Linda Blair and John Vernon, but you can't fucking hire, hire a guy or get like a robot arm that'll hold the fucking boom mic out of shot. To be fair, I don't know if Linda Blair was very expensive at this point in her career. Well, neither is a fucking tripod that'll hold your boom mic up in the air. (laughs) (laughs) I I will say if, if so if besides the copious amount of beebs in the movie, one of the few things that drags this out of the depths of being unwatchable is there are a few really cool like kill scenes in it <laughs> they're pretty awesome the the chick getting the the hook in the bathroom yeah is pretty dope uh what's what's her face getting beat to death with the nightsticks pretty bloody and cool yeah it, it, there were a couple of moments like that the hook definitely yeah it's that's what, that. yeah that's what i'm saying it's got it's got it's like it's moments and and boobs and it's a women's women in prisons film so if if you're not watching it for boobs you're a liar <laughs> there are only two reasons to watch one of these movies number one you're a sick weirdo and you like these kinds of movies like me or you do a podcast with me and you're forced to watch these movies <laughs> like you guys <laughs> uh, yeah no, uh, I mean, the problem with this movie is that you've got you just described like three good kill scenes, which okay, great. That's a minute and a half of an hour and forty minutes or whatever of film time, and the rest of it is bad. So that's not enough. See, I would dis- I would disagree with you because I think once again, it's I think it's got enough stuff going on that it's entertaining. Pretty much everything that happens in the warden's James Bond palace. Is interesting to me, mostly because it happens in his weird James Bond palace that's inside of a prison for no reason. Um, most of the weird uh, prostitute party thing that they go to is pretty interesting. I like seeing guys get kicked in the balls in the movie. So that's what it takes to make you recommend a movie. I don't know how to. I don't know how to contradict that point. <laughs> I'm just saying, you got you got a guy who's attempting to get all up in her business, and she says no, and he's like, "Fuck you, you're a prostitute," and then her friend kicks him in the balls. It's a good and time. Dude, and then another dude comes in and punches that chick. 
Yeah, the best the best thing is he comes in and first he knocks out the guy. He's like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? And then he's like, wait, he was trying to have sex with you if you didn't have sex with him. Yeah, and then he hits her. <laughs> because it's the 80s. Yeah, I mean, it was the 80s. You can't deny that. Yeah. Um, I just see, I'm still having trouble getting past the boom mic issue. <laughs> all the scenes you just described were indoor scenes, and the indoor scenes are the ones where they had a lot of boom mic trouble. It seems like the boom mic operator had issues with ceilings. Because outdoors, you never saw it, I don't think. I am actually, I'm going to chalk this up to you. There were probably actually a couple scenes that Doug might have enjoyed, but he was so distracted by the <laughs> Like the second it dipped into frame, he's just sitting there seething, staring at the top of the TV like, you motherfuckers. <laughs> oh, dude. I was angry about the boom mic. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> when you're watching a movie alone in your basement and there's no one to hit or yell at, and you just have to sit there and let that anger build up inside you, I got to get a fucking punching bag or something for weeks when oh, no, no one takes the movies. What happens? Are you like, Lando, come here. And then you just like, punch him in the stomach? No, I don't hit my child. I don't watch movies like that when my child's awake. Are you kidding me? Listen, it's not like I picked these movies because somebody made us watch a three-hour B movie and then had internet problems because of a moose. <laughs> uh, Hashtag vengeance is mine. <laughs> anyways. <laughs> to be fair, you weren't here to stop them, Doug. It's true. Yeah. I do believe those were my exact words. <laughs> Doug's not here to stop me. <laughs> Uh, but then the story gets even better. Should should you tell the story of the first movie you watched? Oh yeah, because then well yeah we we'll be discussing it later because when we get to the, what we watch, I watched Caged Heat because that's what I was told I had to fucking sit through. <laughs> uh, do you mean the 1975 Roger Corman produced Filipino women in prison <laughs> film? That is a classic, sir. A classic. <laughs> Written and directed by Jonathan Demi. We'll get to we'll get to why Jonathan Demi and Roger Corman shouldn't work together later. <laughs> Anyways, um, I will I will sort of land more on Doug's side on this one. I thought this movie was kind of kind of terrible. I was just really bored by it, which is even worse than it just being straight up bad. See, I find that's I find that even stranger than Doug's complaints. Of all the things I could say about this movie that are negative, I wouldn't call it boring. Well, and I think where Brian may have gotten bored is the fact that there's no plot thread or character to grab onto at all. So it's literally just a collection of scenes, and eventually, when all the scenes are not connected by something, you stop giving a shit about them. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the boom mic is not a relevant connected character. <laughs> it has more scene time than most of the actors, but... The boom mic represents the grim specter of death hanging above the girls in the prison. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> no, you know what the worst scene in this whole fucking movie was? Was when, like, the... I'm, I didn't learn any characters' names, but you had the head black girl and the head white girl and naturally they don't like each other right and so they're gonna finally they're gonna fight and they have this big long build up and they have people throwing them weapons and then they just didn't even I, I can't imagine that they have had like a fight choreographer or anybody on set 
they just kind of like, you guys wing it, but neither of us know how to fight. That's okay. Here's a chain. <laughs> See what happens. And it's like it is, and it goes on for a while. I don't know how long that scene is, but it's probably three or four minutes of them fighting, and neither of them knows how to fight or can do anything correctly. Oh, and there's no attempt to edit around it or anything. It's just here. Fuck you, Doug. Watch this. That's what I think. That's what the filmmaker was thinking. And I'm just like, this is atrocious. <laughs> See, see, you think that the that fantastic chain slap fight that they have is anticlimactic. <laughs> How about toward the end of the movie, whenever uh, Linda Blair is trapped in the the uh, the bond layer by the redheaded butch guard, and she's like, you know, you can't take me. And then the the black chick comes walking in. She's like, yeah, but I can get out of here. Like, you know, she runs out of the room. Which, once again, the guard makes no attempt to stop her. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> But but lets her go because she's been challenged to a one-on-one fight and thims the rules, and then just immediately lays the black chick out, just like literally two hits. She's like ha ha down, like there's no fight. <laughs> oh, I, I would have taken that over a long, drawn-out nothing happening. The worst part of that fight out in the yard between the the black girl and the white girl is when they like they finally break it up and the guards come out, and I swear they like. I, I think what happened is that they cut, called cut but forgot to stop filming and then forgot to edit the scene down to where they called cut because everybody just stops and wanders off in the same direction. <laughs> like, <laughs> the guy, like, they're all just wandering, but they're, like, walking alongside each other. They were just trying to kill each other. Like, all oh, the guards said we have to stop now. All right, well, I'll go this way, I guess. <laughs> what the fuck is happening in the <laughs> How did nobody catch that and just go, you know, it's just an honest mistake. They, two or three frames of film cut off that and you're just, now they just stop fighting as opposed to wandering off together. They may as well have been holding fucking hands at the end. <laughs> I want them to make a special edition of this and release it on Blu-ray with an entire commentary track of just Doug being angry about it. <laughs> I would listen to that. I wouldn't. It just, it's, it's all, there's the book, right? There the fuck it is. Right there. How do you? It seriously. This is a movie. I actually legitimately feel bad for John Vernon in this movie because he is doing a good job. He's the only good actor in the movie, and there's a fucking boom bike in the shots with him. Can you imagine what it was like? Because he had to know it was there when he was filming, but he must have assumed they were not going to film it. And then he like sees the movie at the end, and he's like, "But I was trying so hard." And no one told me they were going to show the boom mic or I wouldn't have bothered to put any effort into this. It's so weird that really what I would assume happened at the end of that movie is John Vernon went, get me my fucking paycheck. <laughs> Paid again and just wandered off. Well, I would, yeah, I would guess that that's what happened. I don't think anybody was in this movie because they were making a piece of art. He's like, my three days that you could afford to put me in this movie are up, and now I have to get to the next 80s movie where I play a villain. <laughs> I assume he's just filming on the next set the next day, and he just walked over, filmed something else, just going down the lot until they have time to restage the first set. So that's two negative reviews, one positive <laughs> review. <laughs> I don't think negative quite describes how I feel about this movie. I would, I would actually tentatively say my review of this movie is not positive. 
it is it is very contingent. If you like women in prison films, it's probably worth a watch. I don't think you should call this a film. That's misleading. <laughs> now, Noah, have you ever seen Chain Heat 2? Uh, I have not, but I know there is a third one that is set in the future. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a third one that's like them on a mining asteroid. And what? Uh, the one that uh, uh, Doug watched, Caged Heat. So Caged Heat 2, they filmed in 1995. And then there's Caged Heat 3000, which also takes place in the future <laughs> on, on an asteroid mining prison colony. You're telling me there's a subgenre of the subgenre of women in prison films that is future set? Was there it? is. Well, we're not doing those movies. Yes, we are. <laughs> no. <laughs> is it is it Chained Heat 2001 Slave Lovers? <laughs> uh, the the third one is Chained. Uh, sorry, Caged. It's Caged Heat 3000. Is that future one? Uh-huh. And then, see, I was thinking Chained Heat 2 Slave Lovers, but I could be wrong. Maybe that's the third one. No, it says Chain Heat 2001, slave, to lo- slave Lovers. There you go. Also goes by the name Bound Heat Chained Rage. Oh, nope, I think that's the wrong one. The, pro- the problem is, is this went into one of those weird things where people were making sequels to it that weren't sequels to it. Oh, here we go. Chain Heat 3, Dark Confessions. But this is not a future one. It looks like another regular prison. Yeah, you still got the wrong one. Okay. This says Chain Heat 3. I know. But there's more than one Chain Heat 3. I'm trying. This is like demons. This gets really complicated. This is like this is starting to seem like Chain Heat is the Spider-Man of women in prison films where they just keep rebooting it. Is yeah. that what you're trying to tell me? Well, here's here's the problem. So there's there's Chained Heat and Bound Heat and a third one, right? And all three are separate titles, but because of the different popularity in different areas, they title swapped a bunch. Yeah. And, and we're selling them as the other one. Right. Because because despite you guys saying of this movie, it was popular enough that people could make money off of its name. No, totally. I know it was popular. It's, it was the one I definitely heard of before. Yeah, it's uh, of the women in prison films, it has the best reputation, which is not a good sign for that genre <laughs> of films. Also in the trivia for Chain Heat 3, Dark Confessions... It says, this movie is based on a true story. No, it's not. That's a lie. <laughs> That's the only piece of trivia for it. <laughs> well, because it's a lie. They were probably banned for posting that, and they're not allowed to post any other trivia. <laughs> <sighs> oh, fuck. See, now we, now we have to watch the, the tra- Chain Heat franchise just to make that <laughs> No, we're not doing that. <laughs> uh... Interesting. All right. Well, again, two, two definite negatives. One, I guess, like, sort of negative slash recommend. Yeah, he, he Noah's standard. It's a bad movie, but I recommend everybody watch it because I don't like people. I think it's his, pretty much his standard response. <laughs> I'm back. Sorry about that. It's okay. Uh, is it Chained Heat, The Horror of Hell Mountain? <laughs> Fuck. 
That sounds like a possibility. Give me, give me one second. I can find it real quick. In an apocalyptic future, the world is completely destroyed and ruled by the tyrannical striker. He controls the unique source of food and uses young women as slaves to explore the mines. That's probably yep. It. That that sounds right. Let's not use the phrase "that sounds right." That sounds like <laughs> we referencing earlier, but no, not right. Uh, that sounds horrible. <laughs> All right, well, Noah, why don't you tell us about Red Heat, which is set, which is filmed two two years later, although also with Linda Blair. So Red Heat, also a women in prison film, also starring Linda Blair. Uh, this one, if you read the description, these sound like they're basically the same movie, although this one takes place in uh, uh, East Germany, right? Is that where they're at? Uh, one of the Germanys, because hey, it's time for a history lesson, all you young people listening. There used to be two Germanys. Yeah, they had a wall between them. And then the world decided that having giant walls separating countries was bad and tore it down. And we all moved on happily and it never got brought up again. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck. <laughs> the, the plot descriptions as she's visiting her fiance in West Germany. Yes. Yep. So the movie takes place in both Germanys. They actually yes. cross the border multiple there. times. There we go. So she's visiting him. They're in love. They're getting married, right? They're all very fucking excited. And then she kind of looks like this other lady. Communist prison! <laughs> yep. End of lead up to movie. Uh, kind, kind of similar. She ends up in the prison. It turns out that it's filled with uh, sadistic assholes who like to rape people and abuse people, uh, doing all sorts of weird shit. Although this one has a cohesive plot that also involves her husband getting together like a group of mercenaries to break into the communist prison and rescue her. Yeah. Less, less breasts, less exploitation? I would argue almost no exploitation. Eh, I don't know. That's that's kind of rough. Pl plenty, <laughs> plenty of violence, but not done in that exploitation fashion. Done in more of a serious thriller movie type way. Meh, exploitation. So, <laughs> so here's the here's the big difference between these two movies. <laughs> this is a competently made movie. Yes, yes, but. <laughs> The reason I say that they're tonally so different is you have to compare and contrast the shower scenes. Because, like, in the first movie, the entire prison population was all women between the ages of, like, 20 and 25. They were all, like, in good shape and attractive and surprisingly well-kept for prisoners. This movie actually has, like, a lot of ugly people naked on screen that is not a like yes there are burn there are no but it's not it's a, a burn film. it's a compliment to the film that a east german women did not have a reputation for being hot so it makes sense that there would be some uggos and b like, <laughs> burn <laughs> but b more importantly like there are women of different ages there are women of different body types there are like if you go into a prison it's not going to be a shit ton of attractive people it's going to be people of all different you know 
I think 20 or 30 movies I've watched have said something different. <laughs> so I, I think I think that's how you know which one of these is a trying to at least be a serious movie and which one of these is trying to be a porno that you don't have to call porno. That's that's the uh, I don't see that's don't, the difference between these two movies. See, I would argue that one is a porno by nature, and I think the other one is a movie attempting to convince you it's not a porno. No, I disagree. I, th I think Red Heat is at, at least its goal. We can discuss. We'll get into a discussion of whether what works about the movie and what doesn't. But at least its goal is to be an action thriller about this girl thrown into this horrific situation trying to get by, trying to survive, and then it's intercut with the the B-plot of her boyfriend trying to find her. And eventually, I, of course, those stories come together towards the end. I can't I can say on my side of the argument, one of the reasons I would argue I have proof that it's a porno is that my copy of it was released by a porno company. <laughs> okay, but... <laughs> Mr. Even, Skin, even. Mr. Skin is not a porno company. It I'm catalogs just, nudity from mainstream movies. I'm just, I'm just saying, it's a, it's a porno. <laughs> uh, and when even a porn company looks at it and goes, "Yeah, this is porn." <laughs> well, I, if you think that this is porn, I mean, I don't know. I, I think you have probably. I, I don't think there are, I, there are professionals you should talk to, and I'm. I don't. I don't think it's porn for healthy people. <laughs> Anyways, what did you guys think of the movie? Did you think it was a well-made movie? Uh, um, it's it's fun. <laughs> Again, with Noah's idea of fun. <laughs> um, what? They're, the, they're breaking out of a prison with machine guns. Yeah, but there's lots of rape with cleaning utensils. You and... just have to look past the rape. <laughs> Uh, we all lived through the 80s. We know how to do that. The weird thing is, I've actually seen this movie before, but could not for the life of me remember the name of it. And I was like 11 when I saw it. Because my aunt used to not give a shit what I watched, so I would come over to her house like, because uh, like me and my cousin would have like a sleepover and then he would like fall asleep immediately. And she would just let me watch whatever the fuck I wanted. Like, she would even make fun of me for watching movies like this the next morning. She's like, yeah, I heard you watching one of those titty movies. So, uh, I saw this when I was like 11. Could not remember the name of it. And it's one of those movies that I'm like, I wonder what movie that was. And now I finally have an answer. And my guess is, 11-year-old you did not remember all of the rape scenes. <laughs> Uh, you're you would be wrong because I remember Barbara, <laughs> Barbara, the the nice prisoner, gets beat up by the gang of girls and then has a scrub stick inserted in not nice places. Yeah, I'll t I'll tell you what. If you're in a movie, you do not want to be named Barbara. Oh, no, <laughs> it doesn't work out well for anyone. Is there a, is there a single Barbara that everything works out all right for? Barbarella count? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I, I don't think it's fair to throw a question like that at us and expect us to know the, na the name of every character from every film who turned out okay. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, I'm just I'm just saying, whenever I go through a list of Barbaras in movies in my head, it's bad. It's bad on all accounts. Um, so rewatching it, I was actually surprised at how much I still quote unquote enjoyed this movie. Um, it has a decent enough plot. Unlike the last movie, uh, there's somewhat of an explanation of well, she kind of looks like this other girl, and she also saw us kidnapping the other girl, so we're just going to throw her in this prison and hope that everybody forgets about her. It was the 80s, and the whole communism bad thing was kind of a good enough explanation. They mm. were evil. They were evil commies, and they yeah. were they kidnapped her and put her in an East German prison. And, you know, given the era that this came out in, we all would have believed that story if somebody told us it. Like we saw in the news, like American girl kidnapped by East Germany and locked in prison for no reason. We'd be gone. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I did like that when they were they basically forced her to confess, and then mm-hmm. used her confession as the only evidence against her to lock her up. <laughs> so they had this like illusion of being like a real court, and I thought like that seems like something that would happen in the real world. <laughs> if you confess, we'll let you go home. So if I sign this, I can go home. Yes, yeah, sign it and go home. Okay, I signed it to prison. <laughs> you well, if you watched Making a Murderer, I mean, that kind of is what happened to that Brandon Dassey kid. Yeah, true. It happens more often than I think people like to think in our society. Yeah, yeah. It's like if you just admit to it, well, yeah, we'll send you home. Oh, okay. Then uh, yeah, this totally happened. All right. Well, you're going to jail. But what about WrestleMania? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I still enjoyed it. I still thought it was decent. Um, interesting thing, looking on IMDb, I said this movie is an hour and 44 minutes, but the copy that I downloaded was only like an hour and 28 minutes. I think the <laughs> hour and 44 minute running time is actually mm-hmm. the 1988 Red Heat. I think so. And I think like that it, it confused it up. quite a bit. It messed it up on IMDb? Yeah. Because yeah. several, several places I looked would indicate Indicate that it was Red Heat 1985, but when you click on the link, it would be Red Heat 1988, which is a whole different uh, movie. James Belushi doesn't rip anybody. <laughs> Schwarzenegger, well, we can't be sure. Have you ever watched the opening scene of that movie? No. There's, I've never actually seen the movie, actually. Oh, it, it opens in a Russian bathhouse with Schwarzenegger and a bunch of other naked dudes fighting it out. Uh, it's, it's pretty upsetting. <laughs> you, know, you know what the funny thing is? Is you get these two movies confused, and it starts off in a bathhouse, and you're like, oh, yeah, getting right here. <laughs> <laughs> and then, no! <sighs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, we, should, so, we should get to that movie. It's actually fun, I think. If I prefer, at the very least, I'm just happy that I can cross off another one of those I remember this movie, but I don't know what it's called, and I can cross that off my list. Well, that's reassuring. That's, that's, and I'm so actually this I'm movie's actually, on your list. Then I'm actually curious of like watching like a DVD. Like, did you watch the DVD? No, uh, I actually have not because it didn't come till this. Didn't morning. come in time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just curious what the transfer looks like because the the file I downloaded from a completely uh, straight-up site um, was pretty shitty. So I wouldn't mind watching like a better version of it. And I say it was shitty. It was probably might have been fine, but watching it on a 75-inch TV... That's part of the problem. Is Yeah, definitely. 
So I wouldn't mind giving it another watch on a better format and transfer. I mean, I had to buy it because the, I found a three pack that had chained heat and red heat in it. <laughs> and oh. the other one's Jungle Warriors, which is one I haven't seen, so I'm going to have to check that out. I'll send that to Doug for his birthday. No, it's all right. You guys don't need to. Too much <laughs> problems with customs. Um, what did you think, Noah? Uh, I, I don't know. I like it. I, I, I feel like it's a, it's a better movie, but it's not as fun because no. it's a little more depressing. No, yeah, I, I, I think this movie plays up the the darkness of a woman being thrown into a, a little more, right? Like there's, there's nothing fun about watching what goes yeah. on with the women in this prison, um, which, I mean... Probably it's not fun to be locked in an East German prison. I don't know. I've never tried it, but and I also liked the angle of the uh, the Western authorities. Basically, this guy's like my girlfriend went missing, and I have reason to believe she was kidnapped by East Germans. And they're all like, "Well, we're not starting World War Three over your girl who wandered off and got too close to the border." So. Uh, sorry about your luck. Like basically, like and then I kind of liked that. I kind of liked that little. I don't know if it's meant to be a dig at like, oh, your governments don't really care about you, or if it's meant to be a, sorry, but you, you get too you, you know you get too close and you and you make the wrong mistake. Guess what? You're you're probably not worth it. Um, you know, you, you can't have the U.S. military invading East Germany because one girl's over there who's largely irrelevant to the planet. Um, so I thought that was interesting that they took the time to bring that up. Mm-hmm. I liked that because the boyfriend or fiance or whatever was a military guy that he had connections and was able to put together this rescue mission was interesting. No. I also kind of liked the idea that he just went to East Germany and said, yeah, I'm going on like sightseeing and they let him in. Cause that probably happened, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like it's my assumption was always like the Berlin Wall was like this like steadfast wall and no one went through, but there must have been border checkpoints where people were allowed to pass back and forth. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean every every country that is air quotes if, isolated, there must be some amount of people that go in and out of it. I'm trying to remember if I remember right, like going back and forth wasn't such a big deal if you were uh not from the the Eastern Bloc, it was more about not being allowed to leave than not being. Allowed yeah, to leave. yeah, it was more about not being allowed to leave than. Okay, I, I don't like. I was. I remember the idea of the Berlin Wall, but I don't remember a lot about the everything that went on surrounding it. I more remember the fact that it came down and everybody was excited. And David Hasselhoff saying on top of it. Oh, that's. Because this one thing East Germans and West Germans can all agree on, it's that they all love David Hasselhoff. Yeah, well, it was when it was coming down, he flew immediately to Germany and sang on it with, like, a scarf that lit up. Well, good for him. <laughs> Damn Hoff. I, I, would, I would say the thing I like the most about Red Heat versus most women in prison films is that, so, most women in prison films, the entire context of the movie only exists to put women into terrible positions while naked. Like that's 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 the end of it. That's that's what women in prison films are. It's like, oh, she gets assaulted yeah. and she's naked. Oh, she's taking a shower and she's naked. Oh, she's forced to break bricks naked. You know? <laughs> but 
this one, it's more like the women being in the prison is actually just a pretext to get the rescue scene at the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. With them running around with machine guns, killing people, which is dope. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say that the only reason to have them in the prison is for that. I think a lot of the prison stuff works well on its own. And it is sort of, it's kind of like watching, I don't know, Shawshank or, or any other prison movie that came out that examines life in prison and just almost serves as a warning as to why you don't want to get thrown in prison. Um, a lot of it is horrific, but I don't think it's, it's not, like I say, it's not horrific in an exploitation type way. It's horrific in a, oh God, that shit probably goes on kind of way. Yeah, one thing we I guess we sort of haven't talked about is like this this lady gang that runs the jail. Yeah. Like Sophie, this like redheaded prisoner that basically just does whatever the fuck she wants. Um Yeah, that doesn't seem like very much fun. No, it sounds horrible. And it's there is like that's the version of retribution that they many of the characters get in this movie is not like a lot of them are still stuck in that prison at the end, but they take out, they use like the escape as an excuse to take out that girl gang and just be like, fine, at least we won't live under the terror of these people anymore. Yeah. Which is interesting because yeah, the, the, um, the military guys show up to, you know, get that guy's girlfriend out and they show up and like, well, we can't just leave these people. And they're like, okay, well, come on. But they only grab like two other people. It's weird. <laughs> and then just leave all of the other girls in there. But I mean, it's an inter it's an interesting concept too, though, because A, you're really screwing yourself if you try to bring like forty women back with you or something. Like you could you're you've got a plan in place to bring your girlfriend back. It's not gonna work if you bring a bunch more. But then the other thing is some of those women might just be in prison for good reason. We don't know. <laughs> like, a lot of them are very mean, and it's very possible that they committed serious crimes, and that's why they're in prison. We, we're not really given an explanation for each individual and why they're there. So, Plus, they're probably filthy communists. <laughs> well, that'd be the other thing. is like, you get them back over here, and then they're not allowed to star in Hollywood movies because they're blacklisted. I don't know what we did to communists. But... Yeah. Uh, anything else? No, I, I think overall, like this is a, a decent movie. It's not great, but it's it goes a little Rambo at the end with the action yeah. scene after it. After like the whole movie is like this thriller, and at the end they're just like, and the last ten minutes is an action movie. But it was it was the eighties. That's how a lot of things worked. So yeah, it, like I said, it was good. I definitely kind of want to watch it again. Like I said, with a better transfer, um, because I still enjoyed it. I thought it was. Decent, I think it has a decent story. Yes, there is a lot of boobs in it, which is not horrible. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I will say Linda Blair's performance is much better in this movie. Oh, yes. Like, you can tell she knew she was making a movie this time. Mm -hmm. The other one, she's like, oh, that boom mic's going to be in this scene. We're going <laughs> to acting. So I was really relieved because I, I don't know much about Linda Blair's career outside of The Exorcist. And. Mm -hmm. This me and Noah, me and Noah were talking about this last week, but it didn't make it into the show. Oh, uh, she went from like this sort of teen child actor, and then sort of skipped the part where she's like, "Well, I just want to do important films," and it went right to the titty movies for some reason. <laughs> so, I did watch the trailer for 
movie where she plays a teenage alcoholic. Um, <laughs> yeah, but from what I from what I read of the trivia for Chain Heat, apparently they were rewriting it as they were shooting it, and yeah. she, she claims the movie was not even remotely close to the movie that she signed on to actually do. Which yeah, is probably I, true. I believe that because it seems like that movie. I mean, to say they were rewriting it, I have a problem with the re part, but I believe they're rewriting <laughs> it while they're filming. And, you know, I can understand how they maybe got her in the movie and then we're like, yeah, but that's going to get us an audience, but now we still need to be able to hold on to them. So let's just exploitation this thing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, shit. I knew I recognized her. Uh, so, B- Bella, lead evil blonde girl. In which movie? Right? Sorry. Uh, the uh, Chain Heat. Okay. Right? right? So she's, Matil- she's Matilda the Hun from Death Race 2000. Right. Awesome. Right. I'm glad you were researching that the whole time we were talking about the other movie. Not the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what is interesting about these two movies? Um, I thought both of them were surprisingly good at handling the uh, LGBTQ community, whatever you're supposed mm-hmm. to politely call people of that. Like, there's, like, even in Chained Heat, there's like a transsexual being sent to the woman's prison, and nobody brings up the fact that, like, it's just accepted that that person belongs in a women's prison, and it's only the really horrible people that kind of pick on her for be for being there and being different. It's not like everybody else is like defending her. And that's weird for an 80s movie. You would think that that person would be the butt of the joke and not somebody who's deserved to be defended by our main characters, but that was interesting. And then I, I thought both movies had sort of with clearly different goals, both movies just had random scenes of where like, yeah, these women who are in prison together are like forming lesbian relationships and everybody was just kind of cool with it. It was just happening. And I thought that was interesting for an eighties movie that, that especially in red heat where it wasn't, it wasn't played up as like this big, uh, as, a, as any kind of a big deal or with these like long drawn out scenes with slow music, like you would expect in an eighties movie. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, there's just naturally one would expect if you lock this many women in rooms together, that eventually this is going to happen. And, it's just part of the life there. And I thought, considering the era where these movies came out, that that was kind of surprising to me. Yeah. I did too. For some reason, uh, remembering watching this when I was 11, for some reason I thought this stuff was a lot more in your face, but rewatching it, I was... Uh, I thought it interesting to find that they, it just is there and there's no like focus on it. There's not, not really not even any discussion of it or any, like, yeah. like there's not even, like, even, like, the big, like, bully characters don't go after those women and, you know, I, I thought it was interesting. i yeah. kind of surprised by it. On, on possibly the negative end of that spectrum, <laughs> that that might also just be uh, people just going, well, it's a women's prison. You know, the second you lock them up behind bars, instantly lesbians, all of them. You know? <laughs> I mean, I can see why you would think that, except that it is it is only select few individuals within each film. 
So, which, I mean, I assume that that means in Red Heat that they were just trying to portray an honest view of how it would be in the real world. And in Jane Heat, that's how many actresses they had the extra 50 bucks to give, so. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Alright, before we get into what we watched, uh, did anybody check out the new Spider-Man trailer? Of course. Are we excited? I'm super excited. (sighs) What do you think, Noah? Uh, I'm a little worried that Hydra Man isn't real. Well, I don't think he is either. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Um, so I don't know if I should. Yeah, maybe won't. I won't say why. I think he's not real. <laughs> yeah, I think it's spoilery. Yeah, because if somebody's not a, read a lot of Spider-Man comics, they probably have no fucking idea who Mysterio is. No, but I'm just glad we're getting him, and he's got a giant bull head. He does. He looks pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know. The whole thing looks cool. The the movie looks like they've captured the tone of the previous movie pretty well, and they're carrying it forward. Mm -hmm. Can we? I do have one major fucking complaint about the trailer. Okay. Uh, And and spoiler warning for anybody who doesn't watch trailers before movies because they don't want to find out this kind of shit. Uh, They show fucking Nick Fury, so now we know fucking Nick Fury survives. Infinity War. They need to fucking stop it. Like they need to chill the fuck out with these trailers when they Noah, know we don't know what's going on. No, it's it's a Spider-Man movie. Spider-Man is also dead. Well, yeah. no, yeah, but but what I'm saying is that that just is a product of the release of the film. You can't make a Spider-Man sequel and keep it secret. That's impossible. Mm-hmm. But you can not put fucking other characters that are part of the who are dead in the fucking trailer. Yeah, uh, it didn't bother me. But yeah, I I kind of like the mystery of until Endgame comes out. I have no fucking idea other than a small handful of people who's actually going to be alive at the end of that movie. But do you ever think Samuel Jackson's ever going to really die? Actually, he was one of the people I was kind of assuming was going to stay dead. I don't know. <clears throat> That did bother me because I just assumed he was coming back. Honestly, I, I even forgot he died until you brought that up. So, so I don't know. Oh, what? I'm just I'm just saying it's just it's a minor it's a minor bitch. Yeah. yeah. We also we also know Happy Hogan's coming back. You don't seem upset about that. Uh, did it show him die? I don't know. I don't think it no. did. I don't think it did. No, I don't know. Uh. Yeah, I don't know. It looked awesome. I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be dope. Uh, did anybody watch the new John Wick trailer? Nope. No, not yet. Oh. Well, it looks awesome, and I can't wait to see it. Uh, I mean, I'm going to see John Wick 3. It doesn't matter, but I do want to watch the trailer. It's just I only found out about it right before we started recording. The only thing that I am bummed about is they gave it a subtitle. So rather than, you know, last one was John Wick Chapter 2, 
This one's John Wick Chapter 3. Pandellum or some lame word. Yeah, well, no one's going to say that anyway. No, you, you could have just went John Wick Chapter 3, and that would have been fine. I don't know. Well, it's a real nitpick. <laughs> I'm going to... I'm gonna see it when it comes out, but I'm actually probably not as excited about it as everybody else. Why? Because I, unlike most people, I think there was a steep drop off in that second movie. The first one is so fucking good; like every second of that movie is real good, and the second one just feels like a sequel to a good movie. If that makes sense. I agree with that. I just still think the first one was so good that you can have a huge drop off, and the second one is still super fun. Yeah. Yeah. See, see, I think it went from fucking awesome to it's all right. And generally, if the second movie's at the it's all right level, the third movie's probably going to be the ah, fuck. <laughs> well, Keanu has said that he thinks this is probably going to be the last one because they don't want to overstay their welcome. So maybe they do a bunch of awesome shit and redeem themselves. You don't know. I don't. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, my biggest my biggest complaint was the second movie. They had a bigger budget. In the first movie, one of the things that makes it so good is like the fight scenes are so. Uh, I don't know what the proper word for it would be. They're they're all like real visceral and in real close all the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like everything feels like you're crowded in a room with the guys fighting. And then the second one, they have a big budget, so everything feels bigger, and that bigger feeling doesn't feel as visceral and cool as that first one. Yeah, I actually completely agree with that complaint. Um, but again, the, I still, I guess I'm just higher overall on you than, than on the second one than you are, but I think the the general complaint that it didn't feel as you didn't feel the impact of the fight as much because they had the budget to do it bigger and on a bigger scale they did and it never has that personal impact when it's that big. Yeah, yep. yeah no. It's weird when Noah and I agree. No, I agree. <laughs> it's super weird. <laughs> like, oh, look at that. It's fucking weird in here right now. It's a weird energy. <laughs> All right. Well, Noah, why don't you tell us uh, some of the other stuff you watched this week? Uh, so I watched a couple things. So I watched uh, Solo because it's out on Netflix, mm-hmm. and, and I've been putting it off. And it is... Uh, exactly what I was thinking it was going to be, which is why I hadn't watched it up till now. It's not It's not very good. and it's. I mean, it's okay. It I thought feels, it was fine. It feels like a Han Solo movie written as fan fiction by somebody who's really into the minutiae of Star Wars but doesn't actually fucking get Star Wars. Yeah, that's not just what it feels like. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. So, uh, it. Yeah, I mean, there was a few good action sequences. I liked some of the subplots, but none of them were particularly well explored. There's a few fun, like you said, a few fun scenes doesn't make a good Star Wars movie, and that's what that movie had going for. Was just a few fun scenes. Yeah, and I don't like. I feel like they just don't get the 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 characters in the original Star Wars movies aren't like super complex characters they just have like their things that make them them if that makes sense you know luke skywalker is kind of a whiny little bitch and you know han solo is the uh the rogue with a heart of gold and you know that kind of stuff and i feel like in in the newer movies maybe with the exception of like uh rogue one instead of them being 
these characters who kind of are like well built and have like a, a backstory that you can feel more than an, that it's explained, if that makes sense. Uh, that they're just a fucking agenda in a skin suit. Like they're they're a cartoon character instead of the character <laughs> that they are, if that makes sense. They're a caricature of a character that you haven't even been introduced to yet, which is fucking silly. Yeah, I mean, I can kind of see that. Yeah, like the droid L7 or whatever her name is that's, you know, oh, the machines will uprise. And, and it's just, it's nonstop that the whole fucking movie. You're like, I get it. I get it. The droid wants to free the other fucking droids. Chill the fuck out. Like, And, and but see, that's, a, that's one of the subplots that I think I would have liked had they explored it more rather than just having her whine about it the whole time. Like, if she had just, like, if they had made that into more of a story rather than just having her bitch, 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 and then at the end she kind of, like, flips a few switches and rises up a few little droids, it could have been an interesting, because that, that is something yeah. the internet likes to talk about, is, well, if the droids are sentient, why yeah, are there the people? Like, that's, that's fucking weird, right? So no. why don't we have that discussion. I think, what I'm saying is, I think that, I don't think that's a bad plot line. I think that's a bad character. Every fucking line isn't like a, a deep, enriched exploration of that. Every line is a punchline. Yeah, I agree with that. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the punchlines, and I still agree with what you're saying. So, <laughs> yeah, and I think I think they were going for the C3PO thing, but like it's I don't know some of the some of the things to bitch about are so complicated because it's it's inorganic. Like the C3PO thing was organic. Like I think the, the it, it doesn't problem. feel weird. I think the problem is that they hired the Lego guys and a lot of the stuff is like Lego movie level jokes which don't work in live action. Right? Yeah. So I, I just don't think like, and that my, my biggest complaint about the movie as far as like individual moments has got to be when Han starts speaking in Chewie's language. And I'm like, that's probably funny in Lego Star Wars. It's fucking annoying and drove me nuts in a live action movie. Like it just doesn't belong in there. It's stupid. And it makes no sense when We've seen these characters communicate for years without having to speak the same language. Yeah, so yeah. Would suddenly, you know what I mean. And it's the idea of a human even being able to speak in that language is nuts. So, don't do it. In a, but again, in a cartoon movie, that's probably funny. Like if it was little Lego action figures and their little mouths moving the way they do in those cartoons. Yeah, like, Lego, yeah, Lego Star Wars, the movie would be fun. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably have enjoyed that, and that'd be fine, right? So I just. I think that's the problem. I think they hired the wrong guys to write the script and it was too far off base before they tried to fix it. They probably just should have scrapped the whole thing. Well, they probably never should have made, they never should have tried to recast like um, a, a, a big, big character like that. They should have just said, fuck it. We're not doing that. But in a world where they're going to do it, they should have gotten somebody that's more attuned to Star Wars to do it. Right. I just don't fucking, I don't, I don't get it. The best, probably the best part of the entire movie was Woody Harrelson's character, and he's not the fucking main character. Yeah. He's, he's by far the most interesting. Yeah. And he's definitely the best actor in the movie. Like, I know people are going to start screaming and going, no, Glover's the best actor. Fuck, fuck you. He's, he's, he's funny. He's a very talented guy. Woody Harrelson's a better fucking actor than him. I agree with all that. And, and, and once again, you get you get Lando, but you don't get Lando. You get a fucking 
caricature of what people think Lando is instead of Lando. Yeah. I, like I said, I don't. I, 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 it was disappointing. I probably should have just never watched it. I don't. <laughs> yeah, but it's still a Star Wars movie. You're going to watch it eventually. Yeah, that's the fucking problem, too. That's the thing. It's like when I bought the Blu-ray and I put it on my shelf with all my other Star Wars movies. Like, am I ever going to come over to the shelf with all these movies here and pick that one? It, it might never get watched again. It got watched once when I bought it, and I just don't know if I'll ever go back to it. I honestly completely forgot about most of it. So, <laughs> Noah's going through plot points. I'm like, that happened in that movie. Woody Harrelson was in that movie. Yeah, I was. I was getting ready to say it was pretty bad. I was like, I was on my phone about 20 minutes into it, like fucking around. I was watching it because I was like, this is fucking shit. I probably should just turn it off halfway through, but I was like, well, I gotta wait till Lando shows up. So, not good. Not good. Not, it's not complete garbage, but... I mean, you don't like that he calls him Han, old buddy, because it pisses him off? Yeah, it's hilarious. That was... And they, yeah. and they went out of their way to do things like show Chewbacca learning to play hollow chess and Chewbacca ripping somebody's arms off because remember they made a reference to Wookiees ripping people's arms off in another movie and then they had to fucking explain why they did it in parsecs instead of in time units you know remember because they made a reference to that in another movie yeah let's shut up internet nerds yeah yeah well it was a fucking scar yeah the, they, they should have had that checklist of things that they did they should have taken about half that checklist off and just made more of a story rather than like we didn't need to know why his last name was Solo. We didn't need to know where he got his gun or his fucking pants or anything like that. It would have literally been more entertaining if every time they did one of those stupid fucking things, like it was like pop-up video from VH1 and it like popped up and it's like, oh, you remember this reference from episode five? <laughs> Alright. That's that's what the whole fucking movie felt like to me. I don't know. That's all. That's all. I need to stop bitching about it. Don't watch it. It's fucking stupid. Did you watch anything else, Noah? I did, but now I can't remember what any of it is. <laughs> uh, I started watching uh, Letterkenny, oh, yeah. which I didn't even know was a fucking show. I thought they were just like weird little shorts that people posted on Facebook, but uh, it's pretty fucking funny. It's weird and stiff. Now, but here's a question. I'm assuming you've watched it, Doug, right? I have not. Okay, no. I was going to say, because it's, it's a Canadian thing, so I figured you would be all up in that Canadian. No, everyone recommends it, but I just haven't gotten around to it yet. I was gonna, it's, the main character is like weird and stiff in like his movements and the way he talks are really odd. <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out if they're saying in Canada, this is what rednecks are like, or if if it's what I'm watching it and I'm going, is this guy like borderline autistic or something? What the fuck is wrong with him? <laughs> like, there's clearly something wrong with it. But it's really funny. Uh, I also started rewatching uh, Marvel's Agents of Shield since that show's completely over. I can. It's not completely over. Is I thought they canceled it. No, nope, they're coming back for another season. God fucking damn it! The only reason why I started watching it again. Because it was all done. Sorry. Fuck. There was but, speculation that it was going to be its last season, and it wrapped up in a way that it could be, but right. it got renewed. 
Uh, I would say I still have the same complaints. It is so wildly inconsistent for a TV show. I don't, I don't fucking understand how you can go like eight episodes of the show being so fucking bad. You're like, I don't even know why the fuck I'm watching this. And then all of a sudden it kicks back up and you've got like four or five episodes in a row that are awesome. And then it goes right back to being bad again. It's like a weird roller coaster of quality, and I don't know if it's because they're like switching out directors too often, or if it's they have different teams of writers working on different parts of it, maybe. But it just doesn't make sense because it's just it's like boring, 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 awesome, all sorts of cool shit are happening. Boring, 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 boring. <laughs> I don't I don't like the fact that I'm nearing the end of is it season three or season four? I think it's season three. And fucking Grant Ward's still the bad guy. <laughs> For fuck's sakes. <laughs> they just find excuses to keep him being the bad guy over and over and over. Yeah, he's a good actor. He's alright. But I almost feel like it's them rubbing it in your face at that point. Because everybody hated him in the first half of the first season. was like, why is this guy in this fucking show? <laughs> and then they thought their big reveal would win everybody back and it didn't. There was that. And then, when it's done, fucking, I know I watched another movie. I don't know. Doug, you go. I'll try to remember. <laughs> um, I don't know. Let's see. I watched a couple of Killer Bee movies. Did you guys ever watch any of those? Or <laughs> was one of them really long? Yeah, one of them was really long. Because <laughs> according to IMDb, some asshole took the original cut of that movie and put 40 extra minutes into it for the home video release, which is what we all watched. And I would like to know which 40 minutes got added, because either they took a great movie and ruined it, or they took a shitty movie and tried to save it, and I don't know which one happened. Because <laughs> everything involving bees in that movie is great, and then there's just way too much shit that doesn't involve bees at all. Mm-hmm. And you would be correct, sir. The, uh, I mean, the, uh, the swarming of bees is just awesome every time it happens, and then there's just like weird octogenarian love triangles and stuff that I have no type, no patience for. Um, <laughs> But when the bees went all Anakin Skywalker on that school, I was like pretty happy. <laughs> so <laughs> they kill young ladies. Yeah, I mean, you guys did a surprisingly good job of discussing the movies last week, so we don't need to get too much into it. But that's my basic thoughts on that one. Surprisingly. Yeah. You, it, oh, don't get me wrong. I was a little pissed off listening to last week's episode. Like, look at these assholes analyzing the films. <laughs> like you're like breaking down how do these connect to real life and shit like, nobody does this when I'm on the show I have to interject all their dumb shit and try to bring it back to the movies <laughs> we don't know what you're talking about Doug <laughs> we see Doug prisons in Germany <laughs> anyways yeah uh, Deadly Bees was yeah not very good either mostly because the atmosphere didn't really work doing that typical wicker man thing of like there's a small island just off of england where everything's fucked up which seemed to be like half the british movies that came out in that era and uh i did hear i did again i was reading the facts on this one and apparently like it was supposed to be boris karloff and christopher lee playing the two main guys and i'm like that if you wrote if you took the same script and filmed it with those two actors this is a great movie that That automatically bumps it up at least 50 percent without even seeing it yeah. So I, I think that really the problem there is just that they missed out on that casting and 
how do you replace either of those guys? You just can't. And apparently there's a TV version of the movie where Boris Karloff is in it. Where he's like, like the, the, the original book that this was written on, the first time it was adapted was, was for television with Boris Karloff. And they're like, oh, well, if he's willing to do this, we'll do a, a feature version of it. And then he's like, yeah, I'm not doing it again, though. <laughs> so, Damn so, it, Boris. Anyways, that's... That's those movies. There's no no reason to get back into them. I don't think. Um, unfortunately, I, I wasn't here to record the whole episode, so you guys actually had to talk. Kind of neat. Mm. <laughs> so, what else have I been watching? I went on a bit of a serial killer kick. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> how many people did you murder, Doc? <laughs> Dude, you give me too much time without internet. You know what's going to happen. <laughs> so, what's your serial killer thing? <laughs> Um, anyways, bonds, or do you chop them up and leave them in weird places? I'm getting to it. <laughs> uh, I was actually referencing the fact that I watched some serial killer movies. Oh, <laughs> first one was uh, The House That Jack Built, which is the new Lars von Trier movie mm-hmm. that people have been talking about quite a bit. Um, it's a weird movie, it's like Matt Dillon plays the serial killer, which is a little weird because I guess they just couldn't get Kevin Dillon, so they had to settle for Matt. And he does a really good job in the role, like, but it's just so not the guy you would expect to be a serial killer. <laughs> and it's um, basically the setup of the movie is like he's telling a story like to someone you don't know who he's talking to, and it's basically like he's talking about these five different incidences throughout his uh, serial killing career. And we're, we're told that he's killed like 60 people, but we only see whatever, six or seven of them during this time frame. And it's, I think individually, all the stories work. They're like fun, like segments. And I heard after the fact, I heard that this was actually pitched as a TV show so that maybe they were intended to be actually be seen as standalones, which would have been, probably better um, because it does there are like five almost completely unconnected stories with the exception of the fact that it's the same main character and uh, I don't know I found there were some inconsistencies between them like so then the one he's got like OCD and so he's trying to leave the crime scene after after making a kill and he's got the body loaded up in his car and he keeps running back in to double check and make sure he cleaned everything properly and that ends up almost getting caught. And so there's like that's a fun thing to see. But then like one of the other ones, he's killing people outside. And you're like, well, a guy with OCD who keeps running back in to double check if he cleaned like underneath picture frames and shit isn't gonna then later be killing people outdoors where it's impossible to clean up after yourself. So they they kind of contradicted themselves, I thought, in some ways. Um, but it was really cool look at just like like I say each individual story was really cool Matt Dillon's performance is excellent the ending is debatable at best I don't know do you guys want it spoiled I already know okay well spoiler alert for the movie um, I, I figured it out pretty quickly the guy he's talking to is like death that's leading him down into the five stages of hell and your final segment of the movie is literally takes place with him 
going down into hell and going through the stages and trying to climb back up to get out of hell and up towards heaven. And it's like, I, you're crossing the line here into some artsy shit that doesn't belong in my serial killer movie. Um, but it didn't ruin the movie for me or anything, but it was just like, uh, See when yeah. I heard when I heard that that pretty much made me lose complete interest in watching this movie. Yeah. It like I I don't think it ruins the movie. It's because the movie is so segmented, you can still enjoy the other five segments on their own. Mm. But yeah, I didn't really want to <laughs> I didn't like it. Um and it wasn't poorly done. It was just not something I'm interested in having in this type. Yeah. Of movie. Um so then I moved on to Summer of 84. Oh yeah which is basically the Goonies versus a serial killer. It's literally a group of kids in the summer of 1984 become convinced that this one guy's a serial killer. It's um, a kid on bikes movie. Yeah, kids on bikes, kids literally playing like manhunt, running around the neighborhood with flashlights. And, you know, it really does an excellent job of recapturing. Mm-hmm. It's not... It, it's not even, I don't think the 80s were really like this, but it's how we all remember the 80s being. And they do a really good job of putting that on film now. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm sure like if it, it's more like what 80s movies were like than what 80s life was like. Because it's, it is one of those weird things where we all remember playing these games of like Manhunt or whatever, where you're all running around the neighborhood. And it's like, but nobody had 20 friends. That's just not how it works. <laughs> like kids don't have 20 friends in their neighborhood. So we all think we did that, but in reality, it was you and two other dudes or whatever. But they play off a lot of like 80s tropes, like where kids and adults can kind of be friends and people find it a lot easier to hide because all they got to do is like literally like park a car across town and nobody else knows they have a second car because how would you find that out (laughs) pre-internet days, right? So I think that they did a really good job of capturing that atmosphere and the movie is like just super fun to watch these kids using like old 80s technology to like try and spy on this guy and stuff um at one point one of the pieces of evidence they find is literally like a bloody mtv t-shirt just to make you in case you forget what era it's set in just for a moment we're like oh here you go um so yeah i I really had a lot of fun with it i i know you know this hardy bright huge tonal shift that comes oh yeah maybe um which so, I have a huge problem with, but I've heard other people complaining about it. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I'll say, like, for me, because when a movie is based in this nostalgia and this relying on this, just this, look at it, it's the 80s atmosphere. At some point in time, that's going to wear off, right? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. mean, that's, I, that's, I don't. That's kind of how I felt is like, oh, you're in the Goonies. And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, no, wait, no. This shit's real. Like, if you, like, you could die. This yeah. is like, like, I mean, I don't even think it's a spoiler to say the guy that they think is a serial killer is a serial killer. I don't think that that's a spoiler. I think that that that's the movie, right? Like, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a movie if he wasn't. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be a really dumb movie if the ending was they found out it wasn't him. Um, but it's like at some point when you get that reveal the movie just takes this like hard turn into horror movie territory and all that stuff is executed really, really well as well. So it's like really cool because if you're somebody who 
likes these types of move both these types of movies it really combines them well mm-hmm. and even though it is a hard turn it's a hard turn that happens within the plot as well as within the atmosphere so i don't think it it wasn't distracting to me i enjoyed it quite a bit yeah so yeah i mean it definitely it's one of those yeah okay they're having fun trying to figure out if this guy's a serial killer but they haven't thought through like okay what happens if we find out he actually is a serial killer yeah. and then when they do they're like oh fuck now what do we do <laughs> yeah and like that ending is so fucking dark i won't spoil the specifics of how it ends but it is so fucking dark and i fucking loved it and i love i don't i forget his name the actor that played the main killer yeah to me he's always been hairy on Mad Men. yeah and that's all i know that's He's just one of those faces that I recognize, and right now I can't even tell you where I know him from. Uh, he's also on Glow. That's probably where I last saw him. He was yeah. the husband of the uh, whatever the good girl wrestler was. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, he really has this like kind of baby face where he comes across as this just like innocent guy, and he plays a cop in this in this movie. So you you're kind of just naturally liking him, and then. When he goes badass, his performance is outstanding. So mm. he just he really does a good job of selling it. That like he really convinces you that everything you've seen up until now from him has all been fake. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, some of the reveals are amazing, which I won't get into because they're fun. Yeah, I don't want to get into the the real specifics because I highly recommend yeah. people watch this movie yeah. if you're if you're a fan of horror movies and you're a fan of like old Goonies movies. I'm, most people who are listening to this probably like both those things, right? I think yeah. this is a huge recommend. Um, super, super fun to watch, and then really works on a, a dark level at the end. So, yeah, but, yeah, I rented it, enjoyed it, and then saw that it was on sale on Vudu and bought it because I'm like, I will definitely need to watch this again. I even liked the. Uh, you know what I really liked in this movie was just the uh, the ridiculous subplot about like his old babysitter that lives across the street. Now she's kind of working with him because she's going through like her own like family divorce shit, which is again like it's an eighty it's an eighties movie. There has to be a family getting divorced because that was for some reason a major plot in every eighties thing. <laughs> and it's like okay, so they're just like she's doing this thing where I mean she's obviously just trying to get attention from the kid next door or whatever. But it and then she ends up becoming a character that's following along in their little journey. And I thought that was like, because that seems to be a trope from the 80s too, where for some reason the older brother and his friends all have to join in with the Goonies that wouldn't have considered as part of the group at the beginning. So, really well executed. Um, Just, yeah. Um, So then after that, I'm like, wow, movies where kids think that guy's a serial killer and they have to investigate are good. I'm going to watch The Clove Hitch Killer, which is the exact same plot. <laughs> Except in The Clove Hitch Killer, it's just one kid and he thinks his dad is a serial killer. Um, I've heard it's pretty decent, but I haven't. It's, it is really, really good as well. Um, it is like, it's uh, Dylan McDermott plays the father and he's just this like corny fucking like church going you know come home and have a soda after work kind of dad he's always telling dad jokes and everything and he's the leader of the scout group and all that and all of a sudden the kid becomes convinced that that's his uh that his dad's the serial killer that's been terrorizing their town and a, a big part of this movie is about them trying to figure out whether he is or not um and it's 
really, really well executed as well. The performances are great all around. There's basically, I'd say, like three main characters. There's the dad, the son, who are the, the two main characters, and then the son has this like partner in crime, love interest type character who joins in that she's like kind of an expert on the serial killer thing and she's like the, the weird goth chick that nobody wants to talk to in this town because they all like it's a hyper-religious Kentucky town so they all think she's like evil for, for studying the, the serial killer and stuff and then she ends up getting involved because she has more knowledge on the subject than anybody else and it's all really really well done as well um, there's one point where there's like I predicted a plot twist and then I'm like the plot twist starts to happen and I'm like, awesome, I was right. I'm like, too bad, because it's like, you know, not as much fun when you know it's coming as it would have been if I hadn't seen this coming. But then and then they're like a few minutes later you realize that the plot twist was a fake out. And you're like, God damn it. Like they tricked me into thinking that was coming just so that it could happen, just so I could think I'm smart, <laughs> just so that they could pull the rug out from me. And I'm like, okay, good on you. That's like clever filmmaking. And I have to believe that, that was intentional. So it's. I mean, if you like Summer of '84, I'd highly recommend you watch the Clovis yeah. It's on my list. It, it's like really excellent. Um, it's got even the stuff like the where they're investigating and there's he's starting to think these things about his dad. It's really well done the way like the stuff he finds and how he finds it and the fact that like it's set in this like hyper religious small Kentucky town really plays into how everything plays out like because it's set in modern day but like when the kid wants to do research online the only computer in the house is like computer mm. in the room for fear that they will look at something that is uh, unbecoming of a person of their stature um so yeah that i mean i that's summer of 84 and clovich killer are two huge recommends that kind of i think i think they both came out in 2018 and they just flew under the radar and they're a great double bill if you're into that kind of movie. Nice. Let's see. Since I had the extra week, I have a lot of stuff I watched. <laughs> That's fine. I don't have very much at all. I had I had no internet, and somebody told me something about Star Wars, so I did pull out my VHS copy of Star Wars so I could watch <laughs> Munchie first. But we don't really need to get into that. <laughs> um, Star Wars. It's original Star Wars. It was awesome. Yeah, it's it's the original Star Wars back before they edited anything into it, so I didn't have to watch him step on Jabba's tail or anything. So <laughs> I was super happy to watch that. It was like, you know, the internet's down, and you're like all pissed off and angry at the world, and then just put Star Wars in it to make your day better. <laughs> Did um, you have that moment? You're like, the internet's down. I can't watch movies at all. And then you look over, and you're like, oh, right. Oh, right, I own, like... <laughs> probably a thousand titles over there. <laughs> I could probably just put one of those in. And then, of course, what do I do? I go over and I get Star Wars, which I own like five copies. <laughs> I'll watch this again. <laughs> Actually, what honestly what happened was somebody told me that in the original cut of Star Wars that Obi-Wan's lightsaber was green. I'm like, that can't be true. So then I'm like, well, I have a copy of the original like it's literally where it doesn't even say episode four on the box art because they hadn't updated the box art yet so it's that old it's got to be the original thing and it's blue i was right the whole time oh sons of bitches yeah so i'm angry i haven't spoken to that person since then <laughs> we're not friends anymore poor tony <laughs> um 
I'm just looking. I'm actually looking at my own Instagram account now to find out what else I watched. <laughs> oh, I watched Unbreakable because I'm getting ready to. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try to watch Unbreakable ah. and split before I go see Glass. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's supposed to snow like a motherfucker here this weekend, so I'm probably not going to get a chance to see it. Yeah. So I think our plan is to watch Unbreakable and split this weekend to get ready for it. I mean, Unbreakable holds up really, really well if you're a fan of it. I don't, I don't know. There's no no point in giving plot descriptions of it or anything, but uh, yeah, it's 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 fantastic. And it's like, oh yeah, right. Bruce Willis can really act when he wants to. I hope he acts in the new one because <laughs> he's so hit or miss. Yeah. For some reason, it seems like he only does it for like directors he respects, which was not Kevin Smith. No, uh, but and for some not, reason, it's not most of the directors he works with lately. Yeah, so, so we'll see. Maybe M Night was able to talk him up. I hope so. I I like to think that if he's coming back for a role like this, that he means he respected it, and he worked with M Night twice before, so it's not like he worked mm-hmm. with him once and then refused to after that. He certainly, I don't think Unbreakable is not a movie he made for the money. At the mm-hmm. time, he was too big of a star to have to do something like this. So he must have found that it's something somewhat interesting. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, plus, it's always worth noting that if it weren't for Unbreakable, there would be no Marvel Cinematic Universe, because this is where they got the idea of having Sam Jackson go around and recruit superheroes. Mm-hmm. So if they hadn't done, if they hadn't seen this movie, they never would have had that idea. <laughs> and the MCU wouldn't exist. So keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah the last thing i watched which noah tricked me into seeing was caged heat <laughs> which is the jonathan demi women in prison film yeah i just love that i saw it on instagram and i was like uh that's not the right movie well, the, worst thing is- the next day so i was like oh no, fuck that means he watched the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh because and it wasn't even because no one messaged me and said I had to watch a movie called Caged Head. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? So I started Googling that term and like trying not to hit oh. images. And then I got yeah, to but that Caged was Heat. I'm like, I Caged Heat. And I looked at Red Heat. And I'm like, Caged Heat, Red Heat, James are the same. They're both women in prison films. This must be it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's a women in prison film. It just, it, it, it is super weird because it's, Produced by Roger Corman, but written and directed by Jonathan Demi, and it literally feels like every scene you can tell which guy was in charge of that scene. Like it's, <laughs> it is like there's there's like a plot line about like them lobotomizing prisoners and all this, and you're like, whoa, that is some dark shit, and it's all handled really seriously. And you see them doing shock therapy on these girls, and you're like, oh, cut to like a scene where the girls are like, I have to go, f-, like, two of the girls break out, and they're like, we gotta go find my sister, and the sister works at an erotic women wrestling thing, where she wrestles men for money. Yeah, she does. <laughs> and you're like, I bet you I know which part of the script was forced <laughs> on Jonathan Demi, and which part of the script he came up with himself. Um, <laughs> it's super fucking weird in that way. Like, there's a whole plot line of like the women break out and then they have to, they break back in to get the other girls out. And it's like, it all, like there might as well be wackety sax music playing in the background. It's like, what is going on here? But then there's like this, these subplots of like, there's like the one girl who's like a kleptomaniac and that's why she's in jails for stealing. And she keeps, she can't stop herself 
from doing it. So there's times where she's like clearly going to get caught and she just tries to steal anyway. And you're like, oh, right. I don't think that's a Roger Cormanism. Like that's not <laughs> like that's Jonathan Demi exploring these deeper uh, issues in this exploitation movie. Um, so it kind of serves as like a an in- interesting look at like it was like Jonathan Demi practicing making a movie. <laughs> it's like this is what I have to make, but I'm going to practice doing all the stuff I want to do when I'm allowed to make what I want to make. Um, which made it an, an interesting watch, but similar to Jane Heat, it was like these scenes don't all belong in the same movie. <laughs> it's fucking weird. No boom mics though, so I will forgive it. Oh, Jonathan Demi's not gonna have any boom mics in his shots. <laughs> I guess that was probably him and Carmen sat down and negotiated <laughs> that and decided no boom mics as part of the deal. I just love that twenty years later somebody was like, you know what movie's begging for a sequel right now? Caged Heat. You think that's what happened? That's what you think the issue was? That is exactly what I think happened. <laughs> I'm not really convinced that that's how they decided to make a sequel. I'm I haven't seen Caged Heat 2, but my shot in the dark here is that they just made a movie and were like, do we own the rights to any titles that might help us sell this? And uh, there you go. Well, Caged really, they were just needing to set up the, the third sequel in space. <laughs> Good lord. I got nothing on that one. We're not <laughs> watching any more Caged Heat movies. <laughs> Says you. <laughs> You know, as as a result of last week's internet problems, there's now a line running like above ground for my internet until the spring, which means I could cut it at any time if I need to get <laughs> my internet to be down. <laughs> you just tell me which week we're watching those movies, and I'll go out there with the I would, uh, I just need to point out the fact that since your internet line is running above ground, there actually is the real life potential of a moose getting tangled up in your internet cables. <laughs> Now, now, my internet provider is more responsible than that. It's, like, way high up where a moose can't get it. So, it's so like, it, you... is, it is literally running between the two houses, like something out of, like, an old-timey movie where you see wires that run, like, because everything in the modern world goes underground, right? But not that. So I'm thinking about getting me some uh, a pair of sneakers, tying them together, and trying to flip them over there. Just to <laughs> a little. And down the internet goes again. <laughs> From what I've been led to believe, it'll hold one pair of sneakers. I don't know why people put them up there. Uh, Steal sneakers from a kid and then you throw them up there so they can't have their shoes. Oh, luckily the neighbors who who attached it, they have two teenage kids, so I could easily probably take some shoes from those kids, right? Yeah, I can beat beat up a 13-year-old teenage kids, right? I think I could handle that. Kid walks out of his house, suddenly his neighbor's like, give me your shoes. What's going on? (laughs) I'm gonna end up trying this and get my ass kicked by a twelve-year-old boy or <laughs> Probably. I don't know how old the kid is. Can you tell him bouncing around in his age? Because I've never bothered to ask exactly how old he is. So you gotta come back on the show next week and be like, "Turns out my neighbor <laughs> is a three-time black belt karate champion, and I didn't even know." Something new every day. Punch me right in my dingaling. Uh, so the only movie I watched was uh, Bird Box. Okay. Just because I'm, I'm like, all right, everybody's talking about it. I should watch it. It's fine. It's not great. It's not horrible. Like I read the book, so none of it was a surprise to me. So, 
but yeah. I don't understand why it's getting the hate it's getting, and I don't understand why it's getting the praise it's getting, because it's just sort of... Well, eh. it's getting the praise it's getting because they put Sandra Bullock in it, and therefore a bunch of normies watched it, and they're all shocked by it. And it's stuff that wouldn't shock any of us, but it is shocking to them. Yeah. And it's getting the hate it's getting because it's being so hyped up that it's just the equal and opposite reaction is people saying it's terrible when really they wouldn't have thought that if they had seen it and not heard all the hype. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen it, so I'm just yeah. I'm in the internet well enough to know that that's what's going on. <laughs> it is a giant pile of meh. Yeah. yeah. I, I, one day I'll get to it and I'll probably have the exact same opinion, but I, I don't know. Yeah, it is a normie movie. Everybody's like, oh my god. Yeah. Like, She's blindfolded the whole time. And then I hate movies like that because like the normies see it and then they want to come talk to us about it. And I'm like, I don't want to talk about that movie with you. And I have to explain <laughs> to them, like, I haven't gotten to that because I'm watching this one about Goonies versus a serial killer. <laughs> and they're like, what's that mean? And I'm like, see, I don't know. I'm not going to explain this to you. <laughs> if you were unworthy. <laughs> yeah. uh, speaking of Goonies, um, I was catching up on my WWE network because <laughs> because uh, that uh, well, I mean, technically, a bunch of wrestlers were in the video, music video, but um, the Edge and Christian show that totally reeks of awesomeness is back for season two. Okay. Uh, have you ever watched their show? I think I watched like one episode because they put it up for free somewhere to try to get mm. me to sign up for the network. Gotcha. Well, in the very first episode, they stole the remote control that controls the universe. That's, that's the one I saw. Yeah, out of Vince McMahon's office and froze him in time. So he's perpetually been frozen. Um, so the very first episode of this season, because he was frozen for the entire first season, is them doing a weekend at Bernie's with Vince McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's frozen and people want to talk to him, so he's like, "Oh shit!" So they like put him in his chair and like spin him around so he's facing the wall, and then they're like, just like Road Dog comes in to ask something, and just Vince McMahon just berates him and makes fun of him. So, uh, I kind of forgot that it was on, and I had like six episodes to catch up on, so I did that the other night. And <laughs> there's an episode from season one where Sean Mooney. Does anybody remember Sean Mooney? He used to do like the uh, WWF's coming to town, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. So they got him to come back, <laughs> and he was doing some skit. I don't know, standing behind a bar, and some joke that ended up with him not wearing pants. Like he was wearing his WWF like blazer from back in the day. So okay. then he said he he didn't wear pants, and Gene Okerlund just looks down and goes, "Holy balls." <laughs> So, cut to season two, where they have a whole episode called The Moonies, where they're basically just playing up the Goonies, but they're searching for Sean Mooney's pants. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like Edge is playing Josh Brolin, and Sean Mooney's playing um, uh, fucking Sean Astin. Uh, Tommy Dreamer plays Chunk, of course. The dance they make him do, they call the Dreamer Steamer. <laughs> uh, Christian plays Corey Feldman. 
And then, of course, Funaki plays Data. And, uh, yeah, they find, <laughs> they find a map inside of a Slammy Award that has a giant dong that is pixeled out that somebody knocks over, and, of course, it breaks off, and they find a treasure map inside of it. They're like, why is there a treasure map to Sean Mooney's pants in this? But so it's just them just like underground going on water slides and shit and just doing making fun of the goonies essentially. That's pretty it's, funny. It's pretty fantastic. <laughs> Since you brought up Goonies so much in this episode, it reminded me of that. Uh, oh, speaking of TV shows that I tried to get caught up on. I uh, <laughs> tried to watch Titans. Oh yeah. Because it shows up on Netflix. And I'm just like, all oh, right. I do like the Dick Grayson character, and I always thought he should get his own kind of. Mm-hmm. I always wanted him to get a trilogy of movies, yeah. but apparently that's never going to happen. So I'm like, well, he's leading the show. I should watch it. And I almost made it all the way through the first episode. <laughs> so it's not good. It's exactly everything you think is wrong with it is wrong with it. Yeah. Um, I heard he says "fuck Batman" in the first episode. Yeah, he does, and he do, you know what? He doesn't say it to anyone. He says it to the camera. Oh. At least I, in the context of the trailer, I at least thought he said it to the bad guys that are like, "Hey, where's Batman?" And he's like, "Fuck Batman." No, yeah. he beats them all up, and then as he's walking away, he like says it to himself. Which I, I, that's when I should have stopped it, <laughs> but then I sat through the stupid fucking scenes of him like because he's a detective in the show or he works for the police department in some mm. capacity and he goes in there and he's like rude to everybody and he's like well because i had a bad falling out with my previous partner because mm. no one there knows his previous partner was batman and you're like oh for fuck's sakes and then it's like it literally has like he interacts with people for one scene and then the next scene they're all like oh so now you're willing to talk to us when he comes in the room and i'm like you're fucking adults that work in a police department why are you talking like this and i was just oh, i was frustrated the whole time and then it's and then I'm like sitting there going like okay so it's just this cheesy dumb thing like maybe I can leave it on in the background and just look up for the fight scenes or whatever, mm. and then half the fucking episode is subtitled. You can't do that. You can't, <laughs> like, like make up your fucking mind. If you're gonna have subtitles, you got to be something that's done a lot better than this. So I don't know. There's literally five minutes left in the first episode, and I've given up on the season. I'm not watching anymore. <laughs> but. Okay, so it's got this brutal fight scene right at the beginning where he beats the shit out of, like, ten guys. And it's pretty decent fight choreography. I'm like, I don't really have any complaints about it. Pretty brutal. There's a little bit of blood and stuff. Um, And then he proceeds to tell everyone that the reason he moved away from Gotham is because Batman solves all his problems with his fists. And he didn't want to become like that. (laughs) He fucking already did it. Like, it's... I swear to God. Warner Brothers has a big problem with their DC content. I don't understand why it's so hard to just do it well. Get whoever's doing your animated shit, because their animated shit tends to turn out pretty good. Get Mm. those guys. Give them real actors and say, go. I've actually heard a ton of positive things about that show. Well, I don't know. Maybe like other people have different ideas of what makes for a good show than I do, but I just yeah, I've read that the DC streaming service is falling far below expectations. Yeah, as far as uh, subscribers, I don't know that that Doom Patrol teaser is. I was like, ooh. I mean, yeah. I mean, that does make me. 
Like, oh, I could probably watch that. But well, I, I just found it oh. super weird that it even showed up on Netflix here. I'm like, mm-hmm. so does that mean that the DC universe isn't even available in Canada? So I'm not boycotting, I'm not boycotting it. I just don't have the option. I thought I was boycotting it. <laughs> but I, I'm like, uh, that's not a good sign if a market the size of Canada is getting that stuff dumped onto Netflix rather than on your yeah. like, You're making this content original. You own the worldwide rights to it, and you're not able to get it to the next country one like one little border over. There's no wall there. You can just send it across. Especially when you're owned by Warner Brothers. Yeah, like, yeah, like you're owned by Warner Brothers. It, how hard can it be to broad? Like, I understand, like with Netflix and stuff, there's all sorts of rights problems. But if you're doing original content, that shouldn't be an issue. I don't get yeah. it. Uh, who knows? Uh, the only thing I was sort of excited about, well, the Doom Patrol stuff does look interesting. Was was they're doing a uh, well Swamp Thing sounds interesting. Um, is there doing another season of Young Justice, which I actually really enjoyed on Cartoon Network? Okay, but it's not enough for me to shell out another subscription fee. Well, I mean that's the thing is too is like they're making this stuff on the assumption that it's going to have a big enough market that everyone will pay just to see this. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. Yeah, like what do they think is going to happen when? Disney starts up, and it's like now you have to choose between Marvel and DC, and the Marvel stuff has a Disney budget behind it, and it comes with Star Wars as well. What are you gonna do? Like it's like yeah. it's not really a gauntlet you want to throw down. No, I don't know. I mean, supposedly Warner Brothers is thinking about starting their own streaming service, so maybe it'll just get absorbed into that. But I don't know. I wish all these companies would stop starting streaming services understand that the success of netflix is that people want one place to go to get all their stuff Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know stuff stuff call like what the right decision is on that kind of stuff yeah I i don't i still don't understand how they make their decisions and i think so much of that industry is ego driven that it's yeah i just think a lot of it is just they just want their name to be on the trophy or whatever and that's they make decisions that they know are taking unnecessary risks just to try and if they get the win then they'll be the guy that got the win and for some reason people who fail in hollywood just keep getting to work so it doesn't really matter (laughs) like it seems like it's impossible to fail your way out of that industry Sometimes you can accidentally fail your way upwards. So. It's true. Just ask Kevin Smith. He tells that story about John Peters all the time. Yeah, that's. I mean, but I mean, like, if you look at like Warner Brothers specifically, and like, fuck, even just look at John Peters specifically, it's like, how many movies does a guy have to be in charge of that are like hated by the fans before you go? Maybe we should make something that people like, because then it'll be a hell of a lot easier to market our next movie. But they don't, so. It doesn't doesn't occur to them. I, I don't get it. Yeah. But yeah, anyways, in a world where we have as much superhero content as we do, I wouldn't waste your time even pretending to watch that show. <laughs> yeah, even all my Arrowverse stuff is suffering because last season for most of them was terrible. Oh, really? I've, yeah. I had to give up on that whole thing because there's just too much of it now and I'll never get caught up. So 
Yeah. I always wanted to go back and watch that. Well, they do. They come up with these plot lines that are horrible for TV. They're like, what if Barry is put in jail for murder so he can't be out being the Flash? And they do that for like two thirds of a season. It's like, well, this is stupid now. I don't care about Barry sitting in a jail cell. I want to see him fighting criminals. Can't can he be the Flash in jail and just run from cell to cell? Could, but can this he, version of Flash not go through walls the way some? Oh, he can. Of he can. And they 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 told him like, why don't you just phase your way out of here? And he's like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna fight this like on on the just way or whatever. And it's like. That's dumb. That's that's really fucking dumb. Because that, that's a whole thing where he could be out flashing about and then still be in his cell in the morning and they're all like, well, I guess he's not the Flash because the Flash was out there and he's in here. You could really use that to your advantage. Yeah. And then uh, Oliver Queen became the mayor of Star City. <laughs> all right. I have a new reason why I'm not watching that universe anymore. <laughs> and then like every like third episode is supposedly being released to the media that he's actually the green green arrow and he has to come up with some way to say that he's not the green arrow and then he even has to stop being the green arrow and like diggle takes over to be the green arrow to show that there's definitely no way that he is the green arrow and it's like this is stupid so i stopped watching that too i'm still recording the new season i'm hoping maybe they came around or something but yeah i don't know I know I keep hearing good things about all those shows, but then yeah. there's a lot of like it's really good except for like a few of the episodes. You're like, yeah, I'm gonna start watching them when you get to one of those ones and just stop. That's how I see my life. <laughs> uh, Legends was still pretty good because it was kind of kept itself separate from everybody, uh, and then Constantine was pretty heavily involved in the last couple episodes. And now he's a regular cast member for this season. So that's been good. Uh, they didn't even participate in the crossover this year. So kind of just doing their own shit and let everybody else kind of do theirs. That's fair enough. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll start up with them again. Maybe I won't. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, all right. Next week. We're going to do a couple Hammer films. Uh, first up, we're going to have Nightmare and then Paranoiac. Uh, I bought like one of those like five Hammer films, and these are both on them. So that's how easily it was put together for an episode. Yep. Um, I have no idea what either one of these are, but I'll watch them. We'll see. I mean... British Horror, we were kind of complaining about that with the Deadly Bees, so we'll see if it's any better on the Hammer side. Well, if it's Hammer, it's probably, at least one of these movies must have Peter Cushing in it. Just a guess? I have no idea what we're getting into next week. <laughs> I know I have to watch the movies. There's no point in learning what they're about now. It's going to be pre, pre-Cushing pre Hammer. Uh, let's see. No, I don't want Nightmare on Elm Street. No, I kind of wish we were uh, so this 1981 mental patient embarks on a murder spree upon escaping from an institution uh, I feel like I'm going to enjoy that movie <laughs> no Peter Cushing that's fine and then Paranoiac ooh Oliver Reed loosely based on 
Josephine Tay's Brat Farr. I don't know what that is. A man long believed dead returns to his family estate to claim his inheritance. Yeah, that might not be bad. Oliver Reed, like I said. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Doesn't sound like the movies go together very well. <laughs> no. They're both Hammer movies. That's about it. And they're both probably shit. We'll find out. I think they're both available for free. If I remember correctly, I looked these up and they might both be on YouTube. So, I noticed that if you look Paranoiac up on IMDb, the very first movie that pops up in the recommendations is Nightmare. <laughs> so I'm, no, assuming, really? I'm assuming that's how they got paired. It's <laughs> <laughs> possible. I just we have one and a half more shows to go from that five hammer films altogether, so <laughs> I've got like three or four of those sets, so we'll be good. Hopefully it comes to a round number so our shows don't get screwed up. <laughs> oh maybe this is it. Maybe I had the wrong nightmare. Nightmare nineteen sixty four. Come on. Uh she's a young student at a private school, her nights are troubled by horrible dreams in which she sees her mother who is in fact locked in an insane asylum haunting her. Uh, Sounds like Nightmare and Nightmare go together because they both have insane asylums. Yeah. Both called the same thing. Yeah, no Peter Cushing in this one either. Damn. No one. Which one are we supposed to watch? Nightmare 1964. 64? Is that written down somewhere for me so that I'll know it later? (laughs) Here, I'll I'll send it to you right now. Here, I'm going to put the wrong date. In the chat. <laughs> <laughs> Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.